Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. It's a blessing to have the Lord in this place. Amen. I don't know what I would do if I couldn't call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. No idea how you could live with hopelessness. Amen. God is such a good God. He's so intensely interested in your life. He plans every step. But the key is to listen to him. I'm tasked tonight with starting a new series. It's called Character Counts. It's a real easy read. There's only 64 pages. I've managed to read this book three times since last Sunday night. I'm, cons- I'm, I'm convinced you can do it. And there's only 20 copies in the bookstore. So get yours. <clears throat> Amen. But I'm doing this for Pastor. And he will be going in depth in this particular study. Of character. Character is almost a lost art. I don't want this to be negative at all, but I just can't imagine introducing my daughter to someone whose pants only come to here, <laughs> multiple earrings, and all the rest of that stuff to go with it. I just can't imagine taking a precious child that I've spent 20 years plus raising and training and feed it to that. Praise God. I believe in receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The fact of the matter, get the Holy Ghost if you don't have it tonight. Get it as soon as possible. Praise God. There's just no living without the sweet presence of God. But the second thing is Christian character. Amen. I was pleasantly surprised last night. We were outside a certain restaurant watching the gorgeous rainbow as it developed into a double rainbow. And this lady stepped over and said, What church do you go to? I'm a little puzzled here. Does looking at a rainbow tell you I go to church? I don't know. But I began to talk to her about this church. Praise God. And I want my Christian character to be a lead-in to reach souls. Praise God. I want my business character. I want my home character. I want my my wife relationship to be Christian character. And this little book that Brother Carson is going to be using has six tiny chapters. They're about three pages, four pages a piece. And they're 
rather poignant information. <clears throat> Paul is probably the most adamant about development. He said, he said to put on the whole armor, gird yourself, quit yourself like men, press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm disappointed that when I come to you, you ought to be eating meat, but you're still drinking milk. He was desiring that they built Christian character. Amen. James, I love the book of James, seventh chapter of, of the gospel of John gives us a little picture into the beginning of Jesus' ministry and his relationship with his brothers. They didn't like him. They didn't believe in him. They told him to go on, go to Judea, go do some things. Anybody that claims the call you do doesn't do things in secret. Go out there and explain it. But later, James is such an advocate for the things of the Lord. And he gives us this insight. He said... If a man knows to do good and does it not, it's sin. It's sin. The knowledge of what to do, let me just back up. There isn't a bank robber or a filling station robber out there that doesn't know walking through the door that what they're doing is wrong. They know that. But it's the fact that they don't have enough character to keep themselves from doing that wrong. And I don't want to run the aisles in here and raise my hands and talk in tongues and then step outside this place and they not know that I'm living for God. Amen. And that's the crux of this little book. Uh, there's a portion of scripture, and on the handout, I gave it to you in detail. Because this chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians just parallels this book. And I want to read it to set the stage for the next weeks. And... The Corinthian letter goes like this. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Oh. And now these things were our examples. To the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, rose up to play. That's what happened the day of the golden calf. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. 
Now, all these things happened unto them. This is the second time, he says, that happened for an example to us. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. If you could just let me take you on a little walk tonight. He says they were baptized unto Moses in the Red Sea. The beginning of their journey, they're still in Egypt. Pharaoh is bearing down on them. And the Lord opens a path in the Red Sea. And they all pass through on dry ground. That's the beginning of their journey. That's their baptism and freedom from slavery and bondage. Their trek through the wilderness, although it takes them 40 plus years to get settled, when they cross the Jordan, there's all kinds of songs that use that terminology. I won't have to cross Jordan alone in reference to leaving this life and going into our promised land. There are an immense number of events that take place between the baptism of the Red Sea and the crossing of Jordan. And each one of those events is a massive influence on our lives. They're used to preach, they're used to teach, and in this particular instance, they're used to identify some Christian character. In your handout sheet, the first chapter in this book is called The Ingredients of Character. The Ingredients. Immediately after the Red Sea closed on Pharaoh, bondage was over. They were free. Miriam Goddard Timbrell, you know all about this, and all the ladies of the, of the choir got together and began to sing and rejoice and they danced before the Lord and worshiped God and they were free. But Moses said, okay, we've got to go. We've got a promised land that we've got to, to reach. And so they traveled mere three days and they came to a place called Mara. And that place was bitter, brackish water that they could not drink. And all of a sudden, their excitement about being free disappeared. It dissipated into thin air, and the murmuring began to take place. Friend, it doesn't take very long after you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost till Satan is going to exercise the target that's on your back and you're going to find some bitter, bitter water. Only if there is some established Christian character will you survive that onslaught. I would to God that this Bible study is not negative and I don't want it to be negative <clears throat> because if I have Christian character, I can do as Sister Nona Freeman in more than one of her books, praise God into victory. Hallelujah. She talks about when they said her husband wasn't going to live. She got her handkerchief out of her purse, put it over her mouth, and said, praise God, my husband's not going to live. You say, Brother Faulkner, that's foolishness. 
Friend, it is exercising a principle before God that I'm going to praise him no matter what comes. And friend, I believe in a baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, but there has got to be a commitment to Christian character or it will never survive. It's God. God showed him a tree. He threw the tree in the water. They all had a good drink and they're happy. And the cloud moves and they journey a short distance. And there, two things happen. The frost or dew in the morning. It said it looks like hoarfrost. That's why I called it, I doubt, in the, in the uh, Egyptian or uh, that desert <clears throat> on the other side of the uh, Red Sea, whether there was any real fault frost, but uh, especially at those temperatures. But it appeared like a hoarfrost on the grass, and it was bread. And they called it manna because they said it was angel's food. That excitement of the things of God, every morning they got to have this manna. And every evening, quails came. They didn't have to hunt them. They didn't need a new Mossberg to shoot them with. They just picked them up fresh every evening and every morning. And folks, I'm here to tell you, there's one thing. If every other fruit disappeared off the face of the earth except cherries, it would be just fine by me. (laughs) A good fresh cherry pie, there's really not much like that with a big scoop of cherry ice cream. And if you got anything on this side, I'll take some cherry cobbler. And I've got some of the finest cherry jam with whole cherries in it. My wife makes these handmade dinner rolls and you can smear that stuff on top of it and just eat forever. (laughs) But I'm here to tell you, if I had to eat that for 40 years... They began to grumble because all they had was manna and quail and manna and quail. My mother used to tell us she was raised during the Depression and she said, well, she said we had potatoes and beans for lunch and then we had beans and potatoes for supper. (laughs) They changed it up. You had a little bit different menu. It's the same thing day in and day out. I want you to know, praise God, that we sang some old songs tonight. And um, I noticed that most of you didn't know those songs. But they are as potent as, potent as, the, as the ones that you know. The point is, keep worshiping God. Don't let it ever get boring. Don't ever let it get tiring. Keep it as fresh as it was the day you got the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Somehow let worship flow. It's got to be a flowing well inside of us and never, ever, ever get stale. Praise God. Never get stale. As I was studying this afternoon, there was several times I just wanted to push all the books back and just begin to bask in the presence of God. 
Amen. Just bask in the presence of God. You see, God took them in two places. He took them into poor water that they couldn't drink, a desperate situation for them. And then he took them into a place of continuous blessing. And folks, Christian character never loses a thankfulness to God for what he's given to us. Amen. Do I have to go to church another time? No, no, you don't have to. But you need to own the Christian character and say, praise God, I get to be in the presence of the Lord one more time. Hallelujah. Amen. When we were in college, a group of us invited this young man who was deep into an oriental religion. And we brought him in to the service with us. Never had felt the presence of God. He got so excited. He got baptized and got the Holy Ghost that same night. On the next Sunday, he just happens to come in and sit next to me. And after the the minister had read his text and had everybody be seated, I still had my Bible open to the text and I crossed my leg and put my Bible on my leg and he leaped out of the seat and said, if you don't want to hold that book, I do. Praise God. Friend, it has just haunted me for 40 years. I want to respect this book and let it be part of my Christian character. So I'm so excited to eat the bread of the Word of God and it never gets stale. Praise God. It never gets stale. That first chapter says the ingredients of Christian character. The ingredients of Christian character. She lists a whole lot of things, and one of them is integrity. I read all kinds of things this week in relationship to this, and everywhere writers are um, mixing up the definition of integrity and the definition of character. Character is knowing what to do. Integrity is doing it. Praise God. Character is known. There are, there are individuals who had the Holy Ghost at one time who went to church that <clears throat> do not attend church anywhere, but in an argument will defend this truth to the, to the end. Knowing what to do but not willing to do it. God, help me. Help me to be so in love with the things of God that they remain fresh in my life. Item or chapter number two is God's principles versus man's philosophies. Beware lest... the world spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, not after Christ, after the rudiments of this world. You see, situations 
can push us. We can convince ourselves that we will do certain things until we're actually in that situation. I'd never tell a lie. (laughs) When a human being gets in a situation where it'll be detrimental to you to tell the truth, it's hard. Say, Brother Faulkner, are you guilty? Don't ask. (laughs) That's right. Don't ask, don't tell. Because when I started high school, it was the beginning of the teaching of situation ethics. And we've taught situation ethics until young people today in this society don't know the truth from fiction. Praise God. I need, and, and I trust each one of us understand, we need, we need the principles of the word deeply established. The event that took place next is the event of the golden calf. And it's, it's really a bizarre event because Aaron has been commissioned. There's been all kinds of, of, of ceremonies. There's special garments that he's, that he's to wear. And Moses goes up on the mountain to speak to the Lord. And he's talking to the Lord face to face. He's been gone a week. And then he was gone two weeks. Then three And the 40th day, he was gone 40 days, a month and 10 days. And the people say, we don't know what happened to this, Moses. We're ready to do something else. We want a golden calf. That was harking back to Egypt. We want something that's familiar to us. We want something that we're comfortable with. We want something, friend, Nobody ever said a prayer life was easy. Praise God. No one ever said that. Having a consistent prayer life is work. I'm telling you what, the, the, the minute you get down to pray, huh, and today with cell phones, that's right in your ear. The instant you set aside some time, okay, so business doesn't start until 8 o'clock, so I'm going to get up at 6. You might do that for four or five days, but 6 o'clock in the wintertime is dark. <laughs> it's, it's not even day yet, and I'm going to get up, and you know, God, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something here. I'm up at six and I'm praying, folks, making it consistent, working it hard. Even, even, you know, as Americans, a diet plan works for how many days? (laughs) I'm going to exercise. Well, maybe. You might do it a little bit, but it's hard work. And building a prayer life is a focused effort. 
it's, it's a critical thing if I want to have Christian character. And so Moses is gone. Aaron is, is supposed to be in charge. And the people say, look, we want a golden calf. And what does Aaron do? Does he argue with them? Does he tell them it's not a good idea? We don't believe in that anymore. Does he even try to dissuade them in any way? He said, nope, give me some of your gold. <clears throat> and then the blame game starts. He tells Moses, I threw it in the fire and I'll walk this calf. Go ahead, read it yourself. That's what he told Moses. I'll walk this calf. You know very well it didn't. There's the carving tools and there's all the forge. There's everything that you got. It didn't walk out. You violated the very character building portion of your life. Amen. How many push-ups can you do? Don't ask me. It's probably only two or three. But if I do them spiritually every day and I gain strength, friend, there's power. Don't you ever sometimes wonder how in the world could I pray like T.W. Barnes? He spent his entire life nearly on his knees in prayer. It's not comfortable. It's hard work. Amen. And so in that, the principles of God have got to supersede the philosophies of men. Here's an important point in the story of the golden calf. Because from this point on, Caleb is pretty much a central figure. Caleb never attained an office. He was a man that loved God. And the Bible says multiple times that he fully, fully followed the Lord. So that tells me he wasn't out there dancing around that golden calf. He was in his tent with the door shut, worshiping the Lord, not being involved in what those people were doing. But here's Christian character. When Moses came down off the mountain and saw what they're doing, he burned that golden calf, ground it into powder, put it in the water, and all of Israel drank it. The hardest thing in developing Christian character is being able to take the punishment for another man's sin. We are a body, friend. We are a body of Christ in this church and I have to go outside here and live your reputation and you have to go outside and live mine I want it to be clean I want it to be God like character I want God to help me to live the way you want me to live Lord I want to reach souls that it's going to take Christian character Chapter number three, your conscience, listen to it. If you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, John said in chapters 14, 15, and 16, he talks about this. 
When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will lead and guide you into all truth. The only way the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the guidance of the Holy Ghost can work is if we're willing to listen. The prophet wanted to know where the Lord was. And he gives us this little scenario. He stepped out on the cliff or hillside and the storm swept through. The wind was strong, but he wasn't in the wind. There was an earthquake that rent the rocks with all the power. He wasn't in the earthquake. There was the lightning from heaven. There were all of those things that nature can produce, but he wasn't there. Friend, the Lord is not a dominating master with a club in each hand. He's a still, small voice that wants to speak to us, and we follow him. It's an awesome picture, word picture. He said, my sheep know my voice. And another, they will not follow. Praise God. Another, they will not follow. I need deep enough understanding that when he speaks, I know his voice. Did he talk to you today? Did you start to say something that you shouldn't have and the Holy Ghost checked you? It's something that works, Brother Senior, every day. The Spirit of God works every day. Amen. The older we get, my wife claims that I can't hear. Well, she's probably right. (laughs) If she wouldn't mumble, I could just make it out. <laughs> Praise God. I don't want my spiritual life to age. God, if I need him, give me some hearing aids of some kind so that I can hear the voice of God. I don't want to miss an opportunity. I don't want to miss a, a, a soul that might be there. God, speak to me and let me hear your voice. Praise God. They were, they were missing something. You see, God gave them quail in the evening and manna in the morning. But something occurred. The time passed. It got boring. And they began to complain that they didn't have enough quail. So God just sent a little blessing. And the quail piled up. Instead of being spread on the ground, it began to pile up. And it piled up until it was two cubits deep. That's someplace between three and four feet. On most of us, that's waist deep. And they ate quail, the Bible says, until it ran out their noses. That's a rather gross word picture, but... Uh, the Lord God wanted them to understand. I can hear you. You hear me. Praise God. 
I hear what you're saying. They began to grumble. They began to murmur. Numbers, Numbers 12. And it didn't go well because God, and one thing it emphasizes, and God heard their murmuring. Lord, my mother never did like it when I talked back under my breath. And you don't either. Praise God. Come on, he doesn't like it either. Oh, God. Mm. Oh, God. Help me, Lord. Amen. The next chapter is convictions. Act on them. I love this. I love this particular chapter. It's very good. It's worth the book. The Bible says that the Lord told Moses to pick one prince out of each tribe and to send them into the promised land to spy it out. Now, let's just stop a moment and think. How many spies did God really need? (laughs) He even knew the number of hairs on their head. He knew exactly where they were. He knew them by name. He did not need those men to go over there and spy it out. What he did need, though, is he needed some men who would come home and mentor the rest and get them moving and get them worshiping God and move into the promised land. He needed someone. But 10 of them came back and said, we can't do it. We can't do it. And the Bible talks about Joshua and Caleb, how dramatic they got upset. Caleb stilled all the people and said, look, we can do this. And they said, but the Anakims. And he said, then promise me that that will be my inheritance. And you can read 40 years later, 30 years later, Caleb said, give me that mountain. He was 85 years old and stormed the hill and said, I'm coming for it. Praise God. That's the kind of Christian character we need. God, help me to be someone who mentors others and gets them moving. Praise God. I want to see some real things. Thank God for a pastor that preaches the way he does. He gets me excited, and I know things are going to happen. God doesn't need a spy. He needs someone to mentor us. Praise God. Mentor us. Convictions. Act on them. Act on them. I got to tell on myself, I was a brand new pastor. And I had driven to an appointment and on my way back, there was a young man on the street corner with a pair of crutches. And the Lord spoke to me as clear as if he was sitting in the car with me. He said, stop and pray for him. Oh, man. Lord, you know, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if my prayer, I, I mean, I argued with the Lord all the way back home. And you can see already, it has haunted me for 50 years. God, what could have happened if I had just listened to you? It's it's not by my power. It's not by my might. It's by his spirit. Praise God. It's by his spirit. 
man. It was a couple weeks after that, the neighbor lady came into our church in, in the evening service and did, couldn't even sit down. She had hurt her back, couldn't even sit down. And <clears throat> so I, I knew Linda, and I, and I said, Linda, can I help you? She said, I just came for prayer. I need healing. Oh, Lord, here we go again. <clears throat> I've got a sign outside that says I'm an apostolic church. I've got a card in my pocket, but nothing in my conscience that has enough force to do it. Praise God. And so I said to her, let's, let's pray. So I had the church stand to pray. She started to come forward. I said, no, no, I'm coming to you. I need a little bit more time to pray. Praise God. And down the side aisle, I went. And I'm telling God, Lord, I can't fail this time because I'm with you. Praise God. And when I got back to where she was, I, I laid hands on her, and God instantly healed her. She raised her hand, started up the side aisle. By the time she got to the front of the church, she had the Holy Ghost and was, was worshiping God back and forth in front of the older friend. Listen, it's not something I do, but I have some convictions, and I want to act on them in the name of Jesus. Praise God in the name of Jesus. I want to see a revival of the Holy Ghost sweep across here. I'm praying every time we baptize somebody, fill them with the Holy Ghost in the water. Praise God. Let the power of the Spirit of God flow. Amen. And it's not me. It's the conviction that I have because of the Word. Amen. He will not Take this however you want to, but God will never embarrass himself. Now, I may embarrass him, but he'll never embarrass himself. Amen. Never. The next to last chapter is courage. Courage. Praise God. These two chapters kind of go together. Because if you and I don't have the courage to trust God, then all we've got is an old book that we can put on the shelf and it's a collector's item. Folks, what's in this book is real. I know that we could spend a long time if we started to cross this congregation and you could tell just a little bit of something God's done for you. It works, friend. It works. Praise God. But the courage. Caleb, if you read that particular section, Caleb's choice of an inheritance. I'm telling you, he was so geared up to go in and take the promised land. He got the people quieted down. He told them we can. And when they started to say no, he got so frustrated, he tore his garment. And Joshua tore his with him. And that's when Caleb said, I want that mountain where the Anakims are. I'm going to take those giants. Praise God. Courage. Amen. 
we're talking about home Bible studies. Can I just put a plug in, Brother, Brother Lopez? All you need is a little bit of courage and go preach one. Go teach one. If, if, if you've read any Sunday school literature, you know more about the Bible than most of them you're going to teach. And besides that, just tell them, trust me, this is experience. Just tell them, you know what? I've been studying on that subject, and <clears throat> the next time I come back, I'll find out what the answer is. Mm-hmm. Praise God. They're all right with that. Amen. They're all right with that. And I'll tell you what's so exciting. I know you're going to think this is bragging, but I'll tell you what's exciting is that I get face message, Facebook messages every day. Brother Sanchez says, Brother Faulkner, some more. Young, young Brother Sanchez is now assistant pastor in a church just south of, of, of uh, um, POA, Pentecostals of, of Alexandria. Thank you. And <clears throat> young Brother Sanchez is an assistant pastor there. And on and on and on. It's exciting. These were people that I taught on Bible studies to, and now they're out there serving God. Amen. A, a little over a year ago, I went back to Galleon, Ohio, and installed a young man that was one of my Bible studies as pastor of the church in Galleon, Ohio. I can't tell you how exciting that is. Praise God. Just get some courage. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just get some courage and go do it. Anybody, anybody ever take the Electrolux class? What's an Electrolux? Only us old guys know what that is. Vacuum cleaner, door-to-door sales. You know what they tell you? You've got to sell it 10 times to, to get one. Wait. I can tell you that my average with home Bible studies was three out of ten. Praise God. Mm, hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> and it's better than selling Electrolux. That is for sure. <laughs> Praise God. Do it. Get the courage to do it. I'm pleading with you. Praise God. Because there's a commitment that happens between you and that Bible study person that is a lifetime friendship. Praise God. Lifetime. And the last, the last chapter of this book is pretty awesome. Moses is gone. Joshua has taken over. And he gives his famous speech. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Praise God. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. In page 62 of this little booklet, and indulge me just a little bit tonight. She lists five things that you need to ask yourself in your commitment. Do you think this is the right thing to do? That's number one. Number two, would you want your spouse, child, or friend to to commit the same behavior you're about to commit? 
Would you be proud of your spouse if, if he or she did what you're about to do? Ask yourself that question. And three, will acting upon this choice bring self-respect? Praise God. You know, I thought about this today. If the choice of me leading this Bible study tonight was based on worthiness, pastor made a big mistake. Praise God. I'm struggling all my life to be what God wants me to be. And if the truth were told, so are you. Amen. So if I do this, will it bring self-respect or will I feel guilty in the private privacy of my office will I have to say, oh God, forgive me for acting this way, Lord. Forgive me for what I did today. Amen. Will it bring self-respect? And number four, will we keep the things that are worthwhile and valuable if you do this? Your reputation, your walk with God, those are the things that are worthwhile and valuable. Praise God. Can I keep them if I do this? And will it make me proud of my decision if this action ever becomes public knowledge? Oh, God. Folks, I've built and run computers. I've done... Computers in hospital environments. I've done in-home transcriptionists and coders. All this private stuff. And I can tell you, it's shocking what I've seen. In the privacy, everybody's got everything they need to see something ugly. If they got a cell phone. Right. Ask yourself these questions, God. Would I want this to be brought to light? Amen. Would I want this to be brought to light? Folks, that's a commitment. A commitment to walking with God. Hallelujah. It's a commitment to walking with God. If we could just close our eyes for a moment. Praise God. I'm an old man. Sorry, but I got there. Oh, if I could start it over and start a home mission church. If I could have a younger body and reach out what I would do different. Praise God. What I would do different. In this little study, I'm reaching out to everyone that's here. There's a new billboard alongside Meridian Street 
that I hadn't seen until tonight. And the billboard says, what will you do to change tomorrow today? What will you do to change tomorrow today? My dad used to say to me all the time when I would try to beg out of some task, he would say, you can't learn it any younger. And you can't make a commitment to God any younger than what you are right now. You can make a commitment to God and begin changing tomorrow, today. Praise God.